Well, praise the Lord. What a blessing to be here today. Y'all can be seated. And Pastor already honored the moms today. But I also want to mention whether you're a biological mom or not. I know there's stepmoms, there's relatives that have raised other people's children. There's spiritual moms, there's mentors. And I want you to know that we honor and we esteem you just as much as biological moms. There's an anointing to be a mother. (laughs) And many of you uh, are in that uh, position. It's always a great joy to preach on Mother's Day, but also can be an emotional day. And I was thinking about it even yesterday that my mom moved to heaven when I was only 21. She was 51. And I miss her, you know, even today. <laughs> Don't mean to get emotional, but it's like I woke up this morning thinking about my mom. And I know you, Pastor Nancy, as well. And so I know that you're... There's people in here like me. How many of you, your moms are in heaven? Wow. (laughs) A lot of you. So you can relate. But I want you to know what the Lord has spoken to me many times. Your mom is not just in your past. She's in your future. Isn't that good news? If she left this earth like my mom did way too early, we can rejoice in the fact Not just in our past, but they are in our future. And we have eternity to spend with our moms and with our loved ones that are in heaven. Yay! Amen? So we'll get that emotion out of the way. But I just wanted to reference that. And we want to again tell you moms that are here today how much we honor, esteem, and respect you. And there really, you know, there are no perfect moms. Sometimes when your mom has already left this earth and moved to heaven, it's good to remember all the wonderful, great memories. And I have so many of them. But there are no perfect Moms, But regardless of how your mom raised you, whether she raised you in church or not, we still need to honor and respect that position of motherhood. Amen? None of us would be here without them, that's for sure. (laughs) So we do honor our moms today. And I know, just like many of you raised your hands, that your mom is in heaven. Others of you, you are like me. You're at a different stage in motherhood. Your children are grown. They have families of their own. And sometimes we ought to say hallelujah. Glory to God for that. Especially if they moved out of the house, right? Anyway, so so whatever your age or whatever your stage of motherhood, I want to remind you today how much of a difference you are, you have, and you will continue to make in their lives. As I was thinking about and praying about what to share today, this just came up right out of my spirit. Moms, you are essential. Moms, you are essential. This past year, we've gained a new understanding of the word essential. So many things have been labeled either essential or non-essential. This business is essential. This profession is essential. And yes, we all found out how really essential toilet paper is. (laughs) So many things labeled essential this past year, right? 
So moms, we're going to center in today on how essential you really are to your family, to the kingdom of God. Amen. So we want to start off today by taking a look at this PowerPoint. This PowerPoint displays here things that kids say to mom. I'm going to just read them. Mom, I'm hungry. I'm cold. I'm hot. Can I have? I want to watch. Where are you? Can you ask dad for me? Can you help me? He hurt me. She hurt me. I want to go there. Where are we? When are we? Why are we? Why can't we? And the list goes on and on of the things that kids ask moms. Now let's look at the next slide, the things that kids ask dads. Where's mom? (laughs) I think all of the moms, the way you're laughing, can say a hearty amen to that. I text this little PowerPoint thing to uh, one of my daughter-in-laws yesterday, to Esther. She texted me back and she said, Oh, I'm living that moment right now. James is laying on the couch watching TV and relaxing. I'm cleaning the house. I'm trying to get the groceries put away or list or whatever. I'm paying bills. And Eden's upstairs screaming that she's locked herself in the bedroom, but she's asking for mom. Why can't dad? Go check on her. But you know, that's just how it is. (laughs) Why kids ask dads, where is mom? So again, we want to emphasize today how essential moms are, but really how essential every person is. This is not just going to be directed at moms. Every single one of us are important and valued and esteemed by our Father God. And we all have a role to play in God's will and purpose being fulfilled in the earth today. If you don't think you're essential, just listen to some of these definitions of essential. Key, vital, indispensable, needed, absolutely necessary, extremely important. So I dropped by today to tell you, you are needed in the work of God. You are needed to serve in your local church. Your supply is vital. Whatever your career is, you're needed there. You're needed in your family. But God, most importantly, He esteems you as valuable, as precious, as extremely important. Amen? Did you get that? So no matter who you are, or where you are in life, I want you right now to turn to your neighbor and say, you are essential. Just a reminder for all of us. And today we are going to look at a couple of women in the Bible who were essential to the plan of God being fulfilled. The first one that we want to look at is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, some people might say, oh, you're supposed to talk about her at Christmas. But you know what? In reality, when the angel Gabriel showed up and told her that she was highly favored and going to be the mother of our blessed Savior, that had to be nine months at least 
before Christmas. So here we are, all right? So we can talk about Mary in the spring and the summer and the fall if we want to. It's not just a Christmas story. You can see the account, and we're not going to read all of it, but you can see the account over in Luke chapter 1. But let me just give you the backdrop. We'll, we'll look at that scripture there in just a moment. Let me give you the backdrop. You all know that. The angel Gabriel appeared to Mary in a little village that was not really well known. It wasn't a big deal. And most scholars agree that Mary probably was somewhere between 15 to 18 years old when that happened to her. No pressure, right? You're a teenager, but you're going to be the mother of the Messiah, the Son of God. Just think of what was associated with that. She was a spouse to Joseph, but they weren't yet married. That word espoused means engaged. They were going to be married. And she knew, she had to know, that if she showed up pregnant, there was going to be ridicule from the community. There was a possibility that Joseph would even reject her. But what did this teenage girl do? And how did she Respond. Listen over in Luke chapter 1. We'll read a few of the verses. Verse 34 and 35. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born uh, born will be called the Son of God. Let's stop right there just for a moment. Have you ever faced any impossible situations? This was a big deal. This looked and was impossible in the natural. And Mary, she asked a legitimate question. How in the world... Is this going to happen? And what did the angel Gabriel say? The Holy Ghost shall come on you and shall overshadow you. That's the same answer for us today. When we are asked or it looks like we are facing something that is huge and impossible in the natural. If God has asked you to do it, lean in. To the power of the Holy Ghost. It's not by might. It's not by our own power. But it's by the Spirit of the living God. And that same Holy Ghost that came on Mary and caused a supernatural conception will come and has and continue to come upon the body of Christ today and make that thing that looks impossible possible. Hallelujah. And that is exactly what the angel went on to tell her down in verse 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold, the hand servant, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary's obedience was essential for our Lord Jesus coming into this earth. God could have found someone else, but He chose her. Highly favored of the Lord. And she was needed. 
She was vital. She was very important to the plan of God coming into manifestation in the earth. And so are you. And so am I. We need to say the same thing that she said that day. Be it done unto me according to your word. She didn't know the how, but she knew the who. She knew enough about God that if he was sending an angel to make this proclamation, that he was able to carry it out. She received his word into her heart. And that's one of the things that we're talking about today. Be it unto me according to thy word. It is essential for us to receive and to act upon the word of God. But Mary's life, it continues here. She acted on the word spoken through Gabriel. And of course, she became the mother of Jesus. But just think about this. She must have been a really godly mother to our Lord Jesus Christ. She was the one that was responsible to help influence and help develop him into who he was to become. She nurtured him. She taught him the scriptures. Of course, Joseph had his part, but it's Mother's Day, so we're going to talk about Mary. (laughs) He can get some airtime on Daddy's Day. She nurtured him. She groomed him. She raised him. And in that process, she discovered who he was and the impact of his words. Mary was not only essential to the birth of Jesus, but she was essential to him performing his first miracle. Over in John chapter 2, We have the account, and I'm just recapping these scriptures for you, these stories, you know them. But in John chapter 2, the Bible tells us that there was a wedding at Cana and that Jesus' mother was present. I don't know what her role was. You know, maybe she was helping in the kitchen. I'm not sure. But she was present. And then the Bible goes on and says that Jesus and his disciples were invited and were also attending the wedding. Well, we know what happens at some point in this celebration. They ran out of wine. And just think about this. When I was reading this, you know what? The Bible is so alive. And you may have heard these stories all your life, just like I have. But as I was reading this the other day, I just started to see it from Mary's perspective. She, when was told that they ran out of wine, she had the answer. No one else thought to go to Jesus. If you look in the chronological order in John chapter 1, Jesus had just begun to gather his disciples. He had just started the Jesus Christ of Nazareth Ministry Association. And nobody else knew who he was. He hadn't done any miracles. He hadn't preached any sermons. No one knew who he was or what he was capable of. But Mary knew. She knew. Not just because of the supernatural 
a conception. But I believe she knew because she saw God's hand on him as she helped raise him. And she was the one that she told the servants exactly what to do. Why? She believed in Jesus. She believed in the anointing and the call on his life. She knew who he really was. Let me exhort you here for a moment. Moms and dads, believe in your children. Speak words of faith and love and encouragement over them. Don't belittle them. Don't say, you know, you're, oh man, you're just like, you know, if you're divorced, you're just like your dad. <laughs> Some, that wasn't very nice. But don't say words of, oh, you know, you're like that side of the family. I know you're going to be a criminal. You're going to be a drug addict or whatever. You're never going to amount to anything. Words paint pictures. Words are carriers. Believe in your children and speak faith-filled words over them. Tell them that you see greatness in them. My parents were farmers. They weren't highly educated. They only had high school education, but they had God. And they had a spirit of faith. And that my dad particularly, he had a spirit of encouragement on him. And I can remember as a little girl, he would tell me, he'd tell my siblings, you can be, you can do anything God calls you to do. And that was the the key phrase. He would always say that anything God calls you to do. Not anything that mama wants you to do or grandpa wants you to do. Whatever God calls you to do. There's a grace on your life to step into it. And I have remembered that all the days of my life. Encourage your children. Even if they are acting like demon child, don't tell them they're demon child. Say, no, I rebuke that. You're not taking my child. You're not having my child in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Mary saw something in Jesus that no one else had yet discovered. In John chapter 2, we'll read a little bit of it. In verse 4, Jesus said to her, she goes to Jesus. Says, they don't have any wine. And this is Jesus' response. Woman, what does your, con- what does your concern have to do with me? My hour is not yet come. But I love Mary's attitude. She basically ignored that statement. <laughs> A true mom. <laughs> and then the next verse says, His mother's just turned around, ignored that, said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. (laughs) The rest of the story, Jesus did what mama believed he could do. Jesus did what mama said to the servants. Whatever he says, do it. The fact that he said, it's not yet my hour. He could have, you know, he could have had a stronger rebuttal and said, I'm not going to do it. But he saw something in Mary that made him go ahead and turn that water into wine. He saw the heart 
of a mother. He saw the heart of faith and belief in her son. And he acted on it and he turned the water into wine. And from that time on, the Bible says basically that Jesus was the talk of the town. He started doing signs, wonders, and miracles. It was Holy Ghost advertisement that happened when he turned that water into wine. And you know what I heard? I heard this years ago. Some of you don't even know what a telegraph is. But let me just tell you this. This is something... The greatest means of advertising down through history. Number one, telegraph, telephone, but the greatest one is still tell a woman. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happened that day. The women saw it. They were probably in the kitchen and they were the ones that saw it. And his fame started spreading everywhere. Tell a woman and you'll get the news out really quick. (laughs) So that is just kind of our opening here talking about Mary. But we've already covered the first thing that we that is so essential. And that is to put his word first place. Mary acted on the word. The word is essential. It takes wisdom. The wisdom of God. To navigate being a parent. It takes the wisdom of God just to live and to be protected and to be successful in this world that we are living in. We are really living in what the Bible refers to as perilous times. But we don't have to fall snare to the attacks of the devil or to what's going on around us. We are capable and we have the ability to tap into the wisdom of God. Listen to Proverbs 4 verse 7 in the New King James. It says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Wisdom is The principal thing. Principal, one of the definitions is the most important or the most influential thing. The most important or the most influential thing in our lives is to get the wisdom of God. Where's that wisdom found? Right here in this wonderful Bible. This Bible, the Word of God, is full of of nuggets of wisdom that will direct us and guide us into our living a prosperous, a wonderful life if we will align ourselves with the Word of God. Let me ask you, what is influencing you the most in your life? Is it the media? Dear God, help us if that's true. Is it people? Is it man's opinion? Is it your natural reasoning? Is it your education? We're not opposed to education. Get all you can. It's wonderful. It's great. But the natural wisdom of this world cannot compare to His wisdom. 
The Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, go get all of your books on psychology. No. The Bible says, or Google it. (laughs) The Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. We have wisdom from above. Wisdom that is out of this world. And that should be what's impacting and influencing our lives. The principal thing, the most important thing. When it comes to being a parent and raising children, a lot of you in here, your kiddos are like mine, they're already raised. But there may be someone watching or some people in here that have young children. How do we raise our children? According to Dr. Not-So-Bright or some ungodly self-proclaimed expert that doesn't have kids, not born again. No. The Word gives us the wisdom in raising our children. And if you have grandchildren now and influencing and impacting our grandchildren. Proverbs 2 I mean, Proverbs 22, verse 6. And again, whether you are a biological parent or not, all of us have children or teenagers or young adults in our lives that we can be a mentor to, that we can help teach and train and develop and bring up in the ways of the Lord. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now I want to read it out of the Passion. Dedicate your children to God. And point them in the way that they should go. And the values they've learned from you will be with them for life. Woo! I love that. Dedicate your children to God. We have baby dedications here. And many of you, we've dedicated your children and your grandchildren to God here formally in a dedication service. But you as the parent, you as the grandparent, you've got the most influence in their lives. And this says you dedicate them to God. You point them in the way that they should go. That doesn't mean that you drop them off at church. That means you go with them. That doesn't mean that you punish them. Oh, you've been bad. You hit your sister. Go in your room now and read the Bible. We should never use the Bible as punishment. And we should never say, okay, you go read and you go pray because you've been bad, but they never see you read the Bible and they never see you pray. Point them. Show them the way they should go. And the values that they have learned from you will be with them for life. Train them up. Moms and dads, if you have little ones, train and teach them according to the Word of God. And perhaps you're in here today and you did your very best. 
You did bring your children to church. You did teach them the word of God. You did show them how to have a relationship with Jesus and communicate with him and how to pray and fellowship with him. But now they are grown and they've gone astray. Maybe they've walked away from God. Maybe they've made a lot of bad choices. Maybe they've even decided because they're not walking with God, they don't want to have anything to do with you. But I have a word of encouragement for you. When I was praying yesterday, that's how the Holy Spirit deals with me a lot of times. Is He gives me these words even ahead of time. But I know somebody's in here or watching online that needs to hear this. And this is what the Spirit of God said in my heart. You did your best. My word won't return void. Your faith and your words are still active over their lives. They are essential for those children to return or the ones that aren't born again to receive me. So enter into rest and know that I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working on their hearts. I'm working in their lives. I'm sending anointed laborers across their path. Whatever needs to be spoken into their heart. God's going to send somebody into their lives to give them a word in due season. Amen. You keep standing on the word of God. And did you hear that in the beginning? He said, be assured my word won't return unto me void. That's why it's so important to speak faith filled words find some confessions ask the Holy Ghost to show you how to pray and the right words to say and it will it will charge the atmosphere in your life with faith and with joy instead of with sadness and sorrow because you know that you know that you know the word of God is working and it will not return void. Hallelujah. You and your household. You and your household. The seed of the righteous is blessed. You and your household shall be saved in the wonderful name of Jesus. Let me give you one encouraging scripture about the word. Jeremiah 1.12 in the Amplified, it says, Then said the Lord to me, You have seen well, for I am active, woo, and I am alert, watching over my word to perform it. Right now, where you're sitting, and I don't know where your grown children may be, but God knows. And His Word is hovering over them. His mercy is hovering over them. His Word is active. And it is alert. And our wonderful Father, He never sleeps. He never slumbers. And neither does His Word. It's working 24-7 over their lives. Can I get a hallelujah? We raise a hallelujah, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for that. Hallelujah. Your Word is essential. Thank you for your Word. Now we want to look at another Mary and Martha 
in the Bible who knew, well, at least Mary did, <laughs> knew the importance of the Word of God. This is our, We only have three points, but this is our second one, that it is essential to spend time in His presence. Let's look at this account in Luke chapter 10. I'm going to read verse 38 and 40 out of the Amplified. Now, while they were on their way, it occurred that Jesus entered a certain village and a woman named Martha received and welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was listening to his teaching. But Martha, overly occupied and too busy, was distracted with much serving. And she came up to him and said, Lord, is it nothing to you that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me to lend a hand and to do her part along with me. There's several words in here that describes Martha's state of mind. Overly occupied, too busy, worried and anxious, distracted. Distracted literally means unable to concentrate because one's mind is preoccupied. Distracted, unable to concentrate. It's evident by Martha's words and actions that she was not in a good place. Not only was she upset with Mary, but she really was confronting Jesus. Think of that. Jesus, I'm in here slaving over this hot stove. And my sister is sitting down on her little laurels in there. That's your feet. Jesus, I mean, you can almost see her. With attitude. (laughs) Jesus. Tell her to get up and get in here and help me. And I don't know what she was expecting from the master, but she didn't get what she was expecting. Tell you that. This is what Jesus said to her in verse 41, 42. And I don't know if we have the common Jewish Bible. I didn't get confirmation on that. Maybe we don't. I'll read it to you. Luke 10, 41 and 42. Listen to this out of the complete Jewish Bible. However, the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are fretting and worrying about so many things. He didn't say, okay, I'm going to get right on that. Tell her to get in there and help you right now. No. He said, Martha, you're the issue. Martha, you're the one with the problem. Then he goes on in verse 42 and he says, But there's only one thing that is essential. And Mary has chosen the right thing. And it won't be taken away from her. One thing is essential. Mary chose wisely. She chose to spend time not only hearing Jesus' words, But we're emphasizing it's essential to spend time in His presence. To pull away from the busyness and the overly occupied and the distractions. And just to be. Be in 
His presence. Now, I am well aware of the demands of being a mom, a wife, just a a woman taking care of a household. I saw this uh, post on Facebook the other day, and I know you'll relate to this. We've all had these moments. This lady wrote, Dear Jesus, I really want to be like Martha today, but can you please... I mean, I messed up. Dear, I don't want to be like Martha. Dear Jesus, I really want to be like Mary today, but can you please send a Martha over to clean my house? <laughs> and all the mamas and the wives and the women said, Yes. And amen. (laughs) I got to read it again because I like it so much. Dear Jesus, I really want to be like Mary today, but can you please send a Martha over to clean my house? Because we've been there, done that. You know, you've got your Bible out, whatever, and you're going to pray. You're going to read the Word. And you look over, and there's a pile of dishes in the sink. Then you say, okay, I'll go into another room, and there's a pile of dirty clothes in the floor. It's easy to get distracted. And we don't want to give Martha a bad rap. What she was doing was a good thing. Somebody's got to cook. Somebody's got to clean. But she lost her grace. And she lost her reward because she did it with resentment and with anger. There's grace, there's peace, there's joy, and there's strength to do what we need to do, even in the natural. But all of that lifts when our attitude shifts off of looking to Him to grace us to do it to what everybody else isn't doing. Or what they should be doing. There's a grace for each one of our lives. But we don't, we don't share the grace of somebody else's life. We can't look at what they are or they aren't doing and say, they should be doing this. They should be doing that. No. Stay focused on Him. Stay focused on the grace for your race. Amen. And that will only be found in His presence. So if you ever feel yourself getting super frustrated, I can't do this anymore. Too many plates are spinning. Pull aside and just say, I got to go be with Jesus. Those dishes will be there tomorrow unless your husband or kids get the clue and do them for you. They'll be there. Pull aside and be refreshed and be strengthened in His presence. Amen? And then we won't spend a lot of time on this last one because of time is getting away from us, but it is essential for us to be men and women, moms and dads of prayer. Prayer is so vital in the lives of our children. In the lives of our family. I was thinking about a woman in the Bible. By the name of Hannah. She didn't have any children. And she went to the temple. And she's weeping profusely. And Eli the prophet comes over. 
And he sees her weeping and he, what's wrong? She begins to tell him that she wants to have children and haven't, hasn't been able to have children. And he said, you know, about this time, next year you're going to be holding a child, which she was. But this stood out to me in, ver- in 1 Samuel 1, 27 and 28 in the NIV. It says, I prayed for this child. And the Lord has granted me what I ask of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. She prayed for this child. Some of you in here, maybe you really had to believe God to conceive. And once you got that child too often, we've seen it happen. People pray for kids and then they get kids and then you never see them again in church. God gives us children. They are the heritage of the Lord. But when they come into our family, we we don't just pray to have them. The prayer is really only beginning. Our prayers are vital, essential. And important, and they need to follow our children all the days of their life. I want to assure you that when you are watching over your family on your knees and in prayer, it is keeping them at peace. It is keeping them protected. And your prayers have no expiration date. Some of you may not know until you get to heaven that you had a relative way down before you were even born that was praying over their family. And that's why you're sitting here today. And some of you, maybe you had a grandma or grandpa that prayed over you and you were out there living like the devil and you're like, oh man, now that I'm saved and got my life together, I wish they knew. Well, I have a word for you. They do. They know on the other side. And they are cheering you on. Prayers never expire. They cling to your family all the days of their life. And even when you take your last breath, should Jesus not come in our lifetime, those prayers are still going to be hovering over your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren. They're not going to be able... To get away from them. Abraham Lincoln said this. I remember my mother's prayers. They have followed me and clung to me all the days of my life. Woo! Think about the demonic forces of hell against him. But he acknowledged my mama's prayers are clinging to me. Hallelujah! And that's a word for somebody right now. Pray over your family. There's peace and there's protection that comes when we speak the word, when we pray over them. Recently, and I'll close with this, but recently we were down visiting John and Lindy and their two little kids. And, you know, kids have a vivid imagination. I realize that. Uh, Lucy had just turned six years old. And we're playing one day. And just randomly, now I don't know if she really saw this or what, but randomly she said to me, Grammy, there's an angel at my school. And I said to her, oh, honey, you mean somebody dressed up 
like an angel. They go to a Christian school. And she almost got disgusted. And she said, no, Grammy, a real angel. And I said, well, where is he? And she said, he's by the window. Like I should know this. I wanted to keep pressing. But you know what? It was, she was done. Just wanted me to know there was an angel at her school by the window. Now it's time to play with Paw Patrols. You know, we're moving on. But I don't doubt it. Whether she actually saw it or not, and it sounded like she did, angels are on assignment when we speak the word over our family, wherever they go. Whether it's at school or on the job, post the angels of the Lord. The Bible says the angels of the Lord are encamped round about those who fear Him. Hallelujah. They're encamped around your kids' schools. I believe it. They're going to see them if they need to. Post it at the windows. Post it at the doors. Bringing them peace and protection. No weapon formed against our families, our children, our grandchildren is going to prosper. Our prayers are paving the way for protection all the days of their life. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's all stand. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the word, the word that has gone forth today. Lord, I thank you. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, all of us have been reminded today how much you love us, how much you value us. And Lord, we just want to say back, we love you. We love you. With all of our hearts. And Lord, all of us in here today, I know you can agree. We make a fresh commitment to put your word first place. To sit at your feet and to enjoy rich fellowship and your presence. And to lift our voice in prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Now, Pastor Mark already led everyone in a confession. Of if you needed to be born again or come back to the Lord. So we're not going to do that. But I just want us just to spend just a minute or two praying over our families. And if you're a mom in here today and you've been tempted to be discouraged. Maybe your children are not only astray from the Lord, but they're not in fellowship with you right now. And that can be very discouraging, and this can be a very hurtful day. But I just want you to know, and God wants you to know, He's working. He's working. So right now, I want to spend some time, let's just go after those kids, those grown adults that have gone astray. Father, in the name of Jesus, We hook up together here at Camp Heart of the Bay. And we lock arms with each other spiritually. And we go after those that are backslidden. Our loved ones, grown children, our grandchildren that are not walking with you. They once knew you. They were raised in church perhaps. But now they are out. They're out. They've gone out of Father's house. But Lord, right now we unite together. And I want you to say this with me. Come home 
Come home. Come home. Come back to Father's house. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And we break the influence of the enemy. Even in some cases, it is a strong spirit of deception. Deceptions and lies that have come to them, that have caused them to walk away from you, Lord Jesus. And in some cases, to walk away from their parents. We bind that in Jesus' name. Lord, there's a great number of us in here today. Your word says one will put a thousand to flight and two ten thousand. So we put that evil work of the devil to flight in the name of Jesus. You're not having our families. You're not having our kids and our grandkids. We thank you, Lord. We see them coming back, coming back, coming back. And we take great courage in that, in Jesus' name.